So tonight is supposed to be part two of I Choose. And the topic that I wrote, a beautiful sermon, it's really nice, right on this laptop right over here, is supposed to be I Choose Discipline Over Regret. And I think my Bible college professor would give me an A on it. It's very solid. It has funny introduction and a really heartfelt story at the end. And it's good. A lot of Bible verses, lots of support. And I'm not going to preach it. And the reason is, I feel like God wants to talk about, I choose Jesus over everything instead. So that's what we're going to talk about. And I don't, I don't have anything written down. <laughs> I don't really know what that looks like. So I'm just going to be real with you guys tonight and, and just talk. Because I've been wrestling with this all day. In fact, Sarah was supposed to preach tonight, but she got sick. And so then I, all of a sudden I'm, you know, going to preach. And so I write, you know, this lovely sermon. And the whole time I'm like fighting it. And I'm just like, ugh, this doesn't feel right. And so... I did what pastors do. I, I got resources. And I was like, all right, boom, we're going to preach on discipline. We're going to preach on choosing to do the hard thing, even when it's uncomfortable, making big choices. And then, you know, I listened to this sermon by Craig Rochelle at Life Church, awesome sermon. And he, he talks about this concept of like, you got to pick what you want most in life over what you want right now. See, you gotta, you gotta pick what you want most over what you want in the moment, like what's gonna make you happy instantly. And I'm like, yeah, that feels good. I should put that in my sermon, that's good. I wrote it out. But then I got to thinking about something I know about the adolescent brain. See, I've been the youth pastor here since, quite frankly, before all of you were born, I'm going on 19 years, um, I've been the youth pastor here. And here's what I know about the adolescent brain. Sorry if this is insulting forever so briefly, but your brain doesn't work right yet. Have you figured that out? I mean, have you like watched your brain and just been like, what the hell? Not in my notes. Just like, it's like your brain is hardwired to want stuff that's just really maybe not the best for you. Like if I were to say, what do you really want the most? And you were to give me not your church answer, not your churchy answer, it would be something like, I really want sex because I think it's going to feel good and I'm really hot for that girl and I really want, or I really want popularity. Like I know I shouldn't, but if I'm just gut level honest, I want people to like me. I have worked hard and I'm funny and I'm cute and I, I would like to be pop, I'd like to be acknowledged, you know? And so when I start to write the sermon, I start to think about it, and, and I'm listening to Craig Rochelle, and the guy's gifted. I mean, his sermon is so good. But I'm like, ugh, if I throw out to a bunch of teenagers, what do you want most in life? Go after that. But they're going to say stuff. You're going to say stuff like this guy I know. He's in his 20s now, but, man, he started baseball in Little League, and he was good. He was always good. He played all four years in high school. He got a full-ride scholarship to college. He battered a 431. If you know anything about baseball, that's like crazy, okay? Super good. But then he finished college. Didn't get any minor league offers. <laughs> Didn't play ball professionally. 
Yeah, he learned leadership and he learned hard work and he learned teamwork. But what did he give up for that? Kid never came to youth group. Came on Sundays with mom and dad. But school nights were for baseball and for lifting weights and for stuff that was maybe fun in the moments, what he thought he wanted now. But in the end... And so as I started like, okay, I'm going to preach this Craig Rochelle sermon. I choose discipline over regret. I, I choose to go after something of like lasting value instead of what I want in the moment. But then there's something weird about the adolescent brain and, and it wants horny things and it wants like selfish things sometimes. I thought, well, what if I say, like, yes, pursue what you want? What if, what if you picked pursue baseball with all your heart? And then in 10 years, you say, Pastor Jim, that was like, that took a 1,000 hours I spent on baseball. A 1,000 hours I spent on palms. A 1,000 hours I spent in marching bands. And then I graduated. And now what? And I guess... As I, like maybe the reason I'm not preaching this message is I, because I was, I was wondering, it's not like that's bad. I mean, baseball teaches you discipline. It teaches you teamwork. It teaches you hard work. It teaches you being on a team. And, and marching band does the same thing. And, and Palms does it, it has value to play basketball. You've learned a lot. But in the end, in the very, very end, You reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. And if you're planting baseballs, what do you harvest? And if you're planting, name the sport, name the instrument, name the pursuit. What, what, is, what harvest in the end does that pursuit lead you to? And I don't think everyone should just like go in tomorrow and, and quit their sport or their hobby. But if all that hobby is or all that pursuit is, is a place to belong and blend in, you're missing it. You're missing it. Now, last week we talked about what's your purpose. What's your choosing purpose over popularity. So if you are in marching band or you are in baseball, what's the purpose is it to play major league ball? Is it to become a professional flutist? Sorry if that's wrong. Uh, flautist? Okay, I would have never guessed. Never guessed that. Okay, I'm going with flutist. It, I totally lost my train of thought. So is it, is it that? Or is it while you're playing baseball to find guys to pray with or to invite or it's a challenge in their faith? Is it to blend into the rest of marching band? Or is it to stand out and, and stand up for something like Christ and your beliefs? Just some things I've been wrestling with because we all make choices and like our life right now in this moment is a sum total of the choices that we've made in our life up to this point, up to this very moment. That's how we got here, right? And when I look at, like, what are we all choosing? 
I think a lot of times we don't even realize that we're making a choice. So this is awkward. This is awkward to talk about because um, it just, it's just awkward for me. And I, I like talked to Sarah for like an hour. Like I have this example, but I don't want to sound like a, like a self-centered person when I, when I give this example. Like there's a lot of things that I'm not good at like everything pretty much, except, except about three things. Honestly, if we're sitting around the office and someone throws out like a movie reference, I pretend that I know what they're talking about, but I have no idea. If someone's like, oh, who, who's in that? You know, the blonde, da, 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 she's married to, blah, blah, blah. I just immediately zone out. I don't even listen because I know for a fact I'm not going to know the answer. I am not good at movies. I am not the person that knows the songs. Okay, even the songs we sing here every week, I'm like, what's that song that says, you know, never gonna let you go? And then Joel's like, you mean never let you go? And I'm like, yeah. That, like, I don't know music. I don't know movies. I don't know actors. I don't really know. I mean, I played sports. I lettered in varsity for four years in high school, but but I don't really know like the finer points of any sport at all. I don't, I don't know that stuff. I don't know, I don't have like, I don't know how to really work my computer that good. Um, weird things, I just bring it to Jeremy and look dumb and he fixes it. I, it's true, I, I really don't know very much, but I know three things. A lot of people know a lot, like an inch deep about a thousand topics, but I know three things. I know the Bible. I know how to be a pastor. I know how to be a leader. And that's it. And it all started a long time ago. And this is why I'm hesitant to tell you this because you just have to hear my heart. You have to hear like, this is really not about me. Like I'd rather tell you a different story. I really would. But a long time ago when I was 15, 16 years old, and I was in high school and I just got saved, like, God put it in me to make some really hard decisions that were not cool at all, that were incredibly uncomfortable and, and, and intensely unpopular. But I made them. And I did things that made me the weird person on my high school campus. It just was. Like, God told me not to date. And, like, I remember the day that Jason... Balza asked me on a date. And I remember the day that Alex Cresswell said to me at the school dance, like, do you want a slow dance? And I kind of did, but I kind of didn't, and I didn't really know, and the whole thing was just awkward as heck, but like I said, I wasn't very cool, but I remember that, but I also know that I don't want that date back with Jason Balza, and I don't want that dance back with Alex. Because God led me to like make the decision not to date in high school, the only man that I've ever slow danced with is my husband, and the only man I ever kissed was Lavelle. And I know you guys have heard parts of that story a billion times, and you're like, yes, JL, great, that's awesome for you. But guess what? That awkward decision that I made like a thousand times, fast forward to my life right now, has given me an incredible marriage. And I wouldn't trade it for a slow dance with Alex or a date with Jason for anything. 
And like God made me, God like led me and he challenged me to make really hard decisions, really uncomfortable decisions like, so awkward to talk about, but like fasting. My freshman year of high school, I fasted almost every lunch hour for the entire school year. And I don't like to talk about it because it sounds like braggadocious, but, I'm, but what happened was I just left the school in the dead of winter in the state of Wisconsin, and I walked, just walked a couple miles, and I just prayed. And I, and I literally prayed for my classmates, and I, play, I prayed for young people to find Christ. And those seeds of intercession... So remember what I said, like you harvest what you plant. And so those seeds of intercessions, just spending my lunch hours as a 15, 16 year old kid walking around blocks in the dead of winter in Wisconsin, guess what? They're producing a harvest right now. Because I don't know any other youth pastors in the country that God let build a student center like this. And, and have a team like, like God's pulled around me. Why me? I don't know. Maybe because when I was 15, I made a really uncomfortable choice to tell my friends, I am not eating lunch with you again because I'm eating lunch with Jesus. And I'm going to talk to him about like the salvation of souls and stuff. Unpopular, uncomfortable 18, 19 years of student ministry, I've gotten to see thousands of teenagers get saved. Did I know that at 15? No. All I knew was, well, I feel like God's telling me to like skip lunch with my friends and go outside and pray. And so I did. And I had the choice, like all of you, to ride the school bus or bum rides everywhere I go, or to buy a car, take out a car loan, get a job, pay for gas and insurance. And guess what is the most lame thing possible to do? Ride the school bus and bum rides. Did it. My entire high school career, all of college, did it. Why? Because I didn't want to have to have a job on church night. I wanted to be in church. I wanted to be in the house of God. I wanted to hear his word. And I knew that God wanted me to go to Bible college. And I knew that was really expensive and my family was really poor. And I didn't want to waste money on all of that. Because I wanted to fast forward my life to this kind of moment. In my late 30s when I, when I would get to preach the gospel to, to hundreds of kids every month. And so bumming rides and being the only, honestly, the only senior on the school bus compared to getting to do this, nothing. I wouldn't trade it, not, not for a single second. And like, the summer between my junior and senior year, somehow I talked my parents into letting me go to Tijuana, Mexico by myself. <laughs> As a parent now, I judge my parents just a little bit. Seriously. But I went to Tijuana, Mexico by myself, and I lived at an orphanage. And I, straight up, it was very unglamorous. I, one of my jobs was to scrape 
mold off of bread so we could feed it to the kids at lunch because it was only bread we had. One of my jobs was to clean the toilets. Toilets is a strong word. To clean the bathroom areas with non-flushing things. Every day for a month, I cleaned the bathrooms because there's 100 kids plus staff using the four stalls. Very unglamorous, very uncool. But I think all of that, Galatians 6, planted a seed, the harvest of which we are reaping here at 4640 now. And so maybe I am talking about discipline over regret. I don't know. But I guess I'm throwing out there like what we want now, what we feel like we need now in the scope of eternity is probably like so insignificant to the idea of finding like your niche in the kingdom and figuring out what is it that God made you for. Because I guarantee it's more than what most of us are like experiencing and walking in now. And I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade a single thing. I wouldn't trade the ridicule. Because man, I got made fun of so much. I try to act cooler than I am now because I don't know. But, but in high school, I started the high school Bible study. There never been one that we knew of on my high school campus. And the atheists sued us. And so we hired lawyers and we sued them back. And we prayed and prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And even though our Bible study was shut down, kids started coming to Christ. Fellow students started getting saved because they were like, why do the atheists care if there's no God? And I was like, oh, let me tell you. And, and we saw, and so yes, huge, hugely, incredibly unpopular. Biggest nerd in the room, right here, for real. But now, in my life, in my job, I see, I get to see miracles every day. Why? I think part of it is because when it was really inconvenient and it was really unpopular and it was really uncomfortable and it was really lonely, I planted some seeds in the fertile ground of God's word. And over a decade or two decades, almost three now, I started to see those seeds grow and produce a harvest. And that harvest, in a lot of cases, is, is some of you. That harvest, in some cases, is this room. It's generations of teenagers that have grown up and, and gone on into their life, into their purpose. Kids like Ben Garland, who used to sit in these seats, but in the other building, who now is going to the Super Bowl next week. What is God-given purpose? And I got to pastor him. Why? Because I'm awesome? No, I'm like the biggest nerd there is. Just, I don't know. And so I want to like throw this out to you like, what is it? What is it that, that you're giving your life to? You have one life. And it's over so fast. Right before I walked out here, I saw on the, in the backstage room an old 
varsity jacket from Fruta High School. It's actually only from a student that graduated in 2016, but it's just laying there. Multiple varsity sport letters on it, the academic awards on it, the service awards on it, all kinds of letters, all kinds of sports, the patch for all track, state all track for 2014. Student graduated, lived for that, missed church for that, gave up moments in God's presence for that. And now it's straight up. You can see it on your way out. It's laying backstage. And there's so many things, like we all have our thing, we all have our hobby, we all have our interests, we all, and maybe that's part of your purpose, I don't know. I'm not saying like, let's all hang up our soccer cleats and become monks. I'm just saying like, what matters? Like, what really matters? Is it worth missing the assembly of God's people for weightlifting? Is, is it worth missing a moment in God's presence where an addiction could be broken off you for speech and debate? Is it, is it worth it for another shift at Old Navy so that you can afford a slightly cooler car? I guess I'm just saying like, what, what, what is it that we want our life to be the echo of our life to be afterwards. What is it that we want to live for? And it's super easy to sit here on a Tuesday night and be like, yes, I choose Jesus because Joe is playing this beautiful background music and it's very emotional and we all feel God and it's awesome. But what does it look like to choose Jesus at school tomorrow morning? And what does it look like to to, to stand up to a coach, like a student told me tonight, they, they, they went to their coach and they said, I'm not coming to early morning practice on Wednesdays anymore. Because I, like, the reason was they wanna go to church on Tuesday night and they can't do both. Like, what, what are we doing? And, and I guarantee you, the friends, well, they made, they made fun of me then too, but like, the friends that I thought I had in high school, I guess we're Facebook friends, but um, they still hate me. They don't care. The ones that we all strive to like get their approval and their popularity, it's meaningless in the end. And so I guess I'm saying like, you can have an average life. You can have a regular life. You can do the sports thing or the hobby thing or the music thing or the get a job and bank a bunch of money to lift your truck thing. You, you can do any of that and it's probably not a sin. But I'll tell you, you, you're gonna miss out on what really matters. You're gonna miss out on the presence of God. You're gonna miss out sowing the seeds of intercession that, that reap the eternal harvest. You're gonna miss out on getting so intimate with God that you know what his voice sounds like and you can identify it over the crowd and over the chaos, you're, you're gonna miss out on developing your prayer language to a place where, where you can pray and intercede for people all over the world simultaneously without hesitation. You're, you're gonna miss out on what it feels like to be a regular guy at a regular job someday but, but God gives you a prophetic word and you know how to deliver it. You're gonna miss out on the discipline 
of memorizing scripture so that when you're in a moment and someone asks you, how do, how do you know Jesus is the way to heaven? That you can just quote the Bible because you spent the time memorizing the scripture to have it in the moment. Like, Jesus is worthy of your whole pursuit. Like, it, he's not like a slice of your day. We have to get to a place where like he is our day and he is our night, where he is our everything. And not just a moment on a Tuesday, but like literally I choose Jesus over everything or even in everything. Play football and preach the gospel. Twirl the flag and color guard and preach the gospel. Work at Old Navy and make intercession over the city. Play a musical instrument for Jesus. Like everything we do when we bring in that purpose and we're bringing that passion and we're standing out for God because everybody that you think is so cool right now whose approval matters so much because you're sick of being made fun of I wouldn't trade it I wouldn't trade it for anything and the awesomeness like this is why it's awkward to talk about but the awesomeness that is my, my life and my job right now that I get to do this when I gave up in high school is like poop compared to that. That's what the Bible says. The scripture actually says like that, that everything I should regard as pure rubbish as the actual, <laughs> the actual Greek word is used menstrual rags. Think about that for just a tiny second. Not too long. But we should regard all this other stuff as used, this is in the Bible, read it, used menstrual rags compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus. And I don't care, I don't care if you lift weights or have an after-school job or sing in the choir, but I care if you check Jesus at the door when you go to do it. And I'm afraid that there's way too much of that going on. Okay, so anyways, I don't, I don't really know what else to say, but I guess I'm saying, like, choose Jesus over everything. And tonight is a night where maybe we just come forward and we find some space and, and we wrestle with some of that. And, and we evaluate, like, am I actually choosing him? Am I bringing him into what I do or am I checking him at the door? What does that look like in my life? So, yeah. Let's do that. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.